0: Hey, I have a great idea. If the U.S. government actually cared about your health, if they really wanted to, you know, improve the lives of everyday Americans, then maybe, I don't know, just maybe the CDC could mandate that we take field of greens every day. Okay, I know, I know. But it, at least it works. It's backed up by science. Field of Greens is packed with 18 clinically researched essential fruits and vegetables and loaded with antioxidants. It uses real organic fruits and vegetables which support your immune system, heart health, metabolism, blood pressure, and digestion. Plus, it is pre- and probiotic. Field of Greens is super easy to add to your morning routine. No mixing and matching pills, no nasty gummies, no gimmicks. Just put one scoop in a glass of water, stir, and you're done. Here's the best part. Tastes great, and it comes in multiple flavors. So go to BrickHousePoso.com and you get 15% off your first order with the promo code. Of course, promo code POSO. They have a whole line of amazing products to help you live up to your full potential. So check them out today. So you get Field of Greens at BrickHousePoso.com. That's BrickHousePoso.com, promo code POSO. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today's an interesting story, Uh, recording this from home today, because we are out of the office, and yet I am still here with all of you. Today's top stories. Trudeau to seek emergency power extension, declaring the crisis not over. Next, woman was trampled. By Trudeau's forces during the freedom protests in Ottawa, she has been identified as an indigenous elder. We're going to talk about that. Third, Russia is going to recognize breakaway republics in the Donbass region following a, an extensive speech by Vladimir Putin, and then finally, one dead, five injured after the shooting in Portland or Antifa at a Portland Antifa gathering. All this in more head, Human Events Daily. All right, we're breaking into this. Trudeau is saying that the state of emergency is not over. He is asking for an actual extension of the Emergency Powers Act. And later tonight, there's going to be a vote or potentially there's going to be a vote. Now, originally, there was going to be a vote early on before the implementation of the Emergency Powers Act. But isn't it interesting that whenever you want to implement the Emergency Powers Act, you can just implement it. I guess, in Canada, if you're Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, and you don't actually have to take a vote on it. So you take a vote on it after it's implemented and after you've cracked down and after you've taken away everyone's freedoms. They're freezing bank accounts. They're locking up people, the protest organizers of the Freedom Convoy. We saw that late Friday night. If you're watching the images that came out, we saw people from the Freedom Convoy, uh, Tamara other leaders of this thing, other protest organizers. And, you know, I call it protest, but it really is a demonstration. It really is a demonstration of freedom, of patriotism, of national pride. If you were paying attention to Canada, if you were paying attention to Ottawa, these were some of the most gripping scenes that I've ever seen at any protest or at any rally. At one point, not only did they have armed police officers and armed forces going into that crowd, that peaceful crowd, this was not an Antifa event. And, and I saw people asking me that. They said, Jack, what about Portland? What's the difference? So we got a story about Portland later coming up. I said, Poso, what's the difference between this and Portland? You said that you did support the federal government cracking down in Portland. It's quite simple they were violent, they were not following the First Amendment right to peacefully assemble. It's it's really as simple as that. This is enshrined in our law that if you want to peacefully assemble, this is under US law, I know we're talking about Canada, but go with me on this. If you want to peacefully assemble, you can do so. In fact, blocking streets if you go under Canada's charter, okay, the charter of the nineteen eighties, which by the way, the Charter of Rights up in Canada was originally supported and promoted by who? Pierre Trudeau. All right, Justin Trudeau's father and the former premier the former prime minister of Canada. Kind of amazing, right? So they supported this back then. And that even included even included protesting in the streets. So a specific difference between there and the United States. At the same time, if you file Ezra Vlant, because I saw he's been obviously uh, has had rebel news out there in full force throughout this entire series of events. He even pointed out that at every single one of these, they were not blockading streets or preventing people from going back and forth, that they actually were allowing people to travel and that they weren't blocking the local citizens or the local businesses. This is something that uh, Trudeau has said again and again. But it's just not true. It was never the case. But of course, to him, it was. So let's listen to this. Uh, listen to Trudeau. We're making sure our borders remain open. It's been the responsible thing to do. I didn't want to use the Emergencies Act, but after dangerous and unlawful activities, after a flood of misinformation and disinformation washed over Canada, after these illegal blockades received disturbing amounts of foreign funding to destabilize Canada's democracy, it became clear that the local and provincial authorities needed more tools to restore order and to keep people safe. Remember, they're all doing it for your safety. want to be very clear about something that they're doing here in canada justin trudeau has been has been open about this he's stated what he wants he said i admire china's basic dictatorship and he talked about china's ability to get done whatever the leaders wanted without having to worry about individual rights without having to worry about human rights This is exactly what I've been talking about for a long time now. My theory of the case is that this is elite merger. They are trying to implement a system of total control here in the West, the same way that you see in the authoritarian regimes of the Far East, like in China. And I talked about this when I was over in Shanghai, right? And I'd be working there at the Chamber of Commerce, and then I worked in international business, and they would say they would come over these congressional delegations or these business leaders, and they would they would learn about China, and they would sit down with uh, Chinese officials right there in Shanghai. They, they called it the Municipal Planning Museum, and they would say, "Oh, you you'd want to build a you know a high speed rail, a Maglev. Well, what about all those people who live in the way?" And the the Shanghai officials would just look at them and say, "What about the people who live in the way? Who cares?" And it's the same way that they're treating the Uyghurs right now in Xinjiang, right? So you've got, of course, this region of China, this massive region, which connects China with Central Asia. This is key to China's Central Asia policy, by the way. They want their connection, their overland connection with Pakistan, because they want to be able to eventually set up a rail connection or pipelines, or, you know, obviously it's going to be very tough to get pipelines across there, but at least set up rail and set up a roadway system, because what do they want? They want their oil and natural gas coming from Saudi Arabia and a little bit from Iran. They, they actually get more, far more from Saudi Arabia than they do from Iran these days. But they want that overland through Pakistan, that economic corridor. And Xinjiang runs right through that direction, right through that geography. you got to go to a map break to be able to check that one out. But the Uyghurs are in the way, and the Uyghurs don't want that. So they lock them up send him off to camp right so this is the kind of basic dictatorship that justin trudeau has stated that he likes the same one that charlie munger has talked about charlie munger who is of course the partner or the business partner of warren buffett berkshire hathaway these the, you know, the oracle of omaha right these are some of the most powerful people in the West, and they understand that the regime that they want to con- that they want to erect. You can call it the Great Reset. You can call it Klaus Schwab World Economic Forum Davos Party Davos. Of course, all of these different things. But what's the goal? They were trying for years to implement this basic dictatorship. Let's take Trudeau's term: basic dictatorship, and implement it through. Climate change. This is exactly what they've been trying to uh, agitate for for decades at this point, and it never worked. They were never able to get it. Well, guess what? They have been able under COVID to achieve every single level of power that they were never able to get under climate change. This has been their plan for decades. This is what they wanted. They wanted the elite roll-up of power, and it just so happens, by the way, that it aids your court. It, it aids your corporatocracy. So it aids Wall Street. It aids Silicon Valley, and it aids Washington D.C. And you know, so what if it hurts uh, actual, you know, the actual right of free people to have a say in their representation? You're not going to get that. What you are going to get is corporate interests, government interests, and state interests that's who's going to succeed here not the rights of the people or the interests of the people to the point where they cannot allow any one of these to succeed and that's why you saw the crackdown to the point where they even sent in royal canadian mounted police the mounties right they sent mounties into that crowd crashing into those protesters those peaceful protesters in a way that i've never seen I've been going to protests or I've been involved in protests or seen protests since I remember when the RNC was held in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the year 2022 years ago. And I remember seeing uh, mounted units for the protests there at the time. So the left came out in full force. That was probably the first time that I remember seeing mass protests like this. And, you know, streets blocked off and mounted units and police everywhere, et cetera, keeping the peace. I never once saw, or in any of the events that I've been at, With Antifa um, protest, I covered the Hong Kong protest in uh, 2008, down when Xi Jinping was going to Hong Kong at the time, even before he became the general secretary of the party. I've never seen mounted units crash into a crowd like that anywhere. And they crashed into a woman, and that woman's name was Candy Sero. They sent the horses at her, but she is not backing down. Now, according to a woman who claims to be Saro's niece, there's an older woman knocked down, trampled by the horses at this protest. She was on a mobility scooter. Now, we're told that she is very much alive, and there were some reports over the weekend that that it had gone worse, but it doesn't look like it is. She's still alive. She did suffer a broken clavicle. But interestingly, she is reportedly a full-blood Mohawk woman who lives in the Tanindiga Mohawk Territory in Hastings County, Ontario. So congratulations, leftists. Congratulations, neoliberals. In your institution of your state capitalist, market Leninist, basic dictatorship, you've now gotten to the point where you're literally trampling indigenous women on mobility scooters because they're in your way. The exact same way that the CCP treats the Uyghurs who are in their way. Okay, a big story that the media is going to be focusing on over the next couple of weeks is the fact that Russia has now announced, essentially, that they are going to recognize two breakaway republics in the Donbass region. Right? You're probably sitting here thinking, what the heck is the Donbass region? Have I heard of this? What does this have to do with anything? How does this affect me? Well, I'm going to break it all down. I can give you a quick primer on this. But the bottom line, the absolute bottom line of this, it's quite simple. There is no overriding american national interest in this region this is a border dispute between russia and ukraine that traces itself all the way back into the fall of the soviet union and in a speech today russian president vladimir putin even brought up the fact that he thought the creation of modern ukraine goes all the way back to the founding of the Soviet Union. He was laying a lot of these problems at the feet of Vladimir Lenin, of Joseph Stalin, and really he was looking at it from a situation of that Crimea really had been part of the Russian Empire. And this is true. Crimea had been part of the Russian Empire, but then he was talking more broadly about the region itself and gave this massive speech. Again, this is his perspective on the situation. His perspective is that NATO is an aggressor Military alliance that NATO is trying to bring all of Ukraine into NATO, that he doesn't want NATO to come in. He doesn't trust any of the Americans. He certainly doesn't trust them to take them at their word. And he believes that they are a threat to Russia. This is also something, by the way, you got to understand that the Kremlin has a military blob and a military infrastructure and a military. Intelligentsia, the exact same way the United States does with our State Department and with our Pentagon. So they have people that are putting pressure, you know, various oligarchs that are putting pressure on Putin, the same way that we have our foreign policy establishment that puts pressure on any administration. You certainly saw this with the previous administration. So from their mind, NATO. Is the, is the organization that was behind the bombing of Belgrade. This has come up a lot. NATO is the organization that was, be, that was behind the independence of Kosovo. And remember, Kosovo broke away from Serbia. And Russia did not support this. Russia said they, they didn't want Kosovo to separate. They did. Na- then NATO sent military forces in to break away Kosovo from Serbia. Again, I'm not making any comment on... Whether they should have done that, whether they shouldn't have done that, anything like it. But what I am saying is, from their perspective, they view NATO as an aggressor that blew up places like Yugoslavia, like Libya, like Iraq, like Syria, like Afghanistan. And now they view themselves as having NATO right on their border, and they do not want it. So they view this as a potential threat and a potential escalation. Now, Prior to this, Ukraine, prior to 10 years ago, Ukraine had always been a buffer country, between Russia and between uh, sort of Western Europe and and Central Europe. And Ukraine, Belarus, these had acted as sort of buffer republics. They used to call them the former Soviet satellite countries in order to sort of be this in-between area between the massive Russian versus NATO alliances. Um, You also heard Putin say something that was quite interesting. He brought up the fact that in the year 2000, when he had a personal meeting with President Bill Clinton that he even offered to Clinton that he wanted Russia to join in NATO. Now, this is after the breakup of Yugoslavia, after the bombing of Belgrade, to say, look, you know, we've got to figure out something to do between Russia and NATO. Clearly, um, obviously, NATO had been founded as an anti-Soviet Union organization, but had continued on for the decade after the fall, the dissolution of the Soviet Union. And so he's saying, look, I've got this massive military alliance in my backyard. What do I do with them? And he goes to Clinton and says, "Well, why don't we join? Why doesn't Russia join the military alliance? And perhaps we can come to some kind of accommodation for overall security for Europe and for this part of the world." Um, you know, and it really goes to show you that there's just certain nice things that we can't have in the world, right? You know, it, it wouldn't it be amazing if we actually did have a system of international law or a system of Agreements that every country could abide by. And certainly everyone can point to instances where different sides have broken agreements, have broken ceasefires. Uh, That's something that they talk about a lot with these breakaway republics to say, well, you didn't follow this. Well, you didn't follow that. And instead, So instead of having these great power wars, you could actually focus on things like going after transnational cartels or criminal organizations, terrorist organizations, groups like ISIS, you know, f- fight them together if they are of common interest, right? You know, nobody's saying that we're going to invade each other or go to war with one another or that we have to completely accept someone else's form of government, right? That would be silly. We don't ask the Saudis to change their form of government. We don't ask the Qataris to change their form of government. Uh, We certainly haven't tried to get China to change their form of government. You got Trudeau out there praising it, right? But for some reason, when it comes to Russia, well, we put them in a completely different category. Because, well, reasons. And um, I don't know what kind of situation we would have had if we could have had rapprochement with Russia the same way that we did with China during the Cold War. But clearly, it makes sense from a geopolitical standpoint to try to seek something like that when it comes to to China we are going to need all the allies that we can get when it comes to confrontation with China both economically socially and god forbid militarily I certainly hope it doesn't come to militarily but uh, what Russia is now doing is because they've decided to reject NATO they view NATO as a threat they, they were going to reject Kiev they are now recognizing the two breakaway republics in eastern Ukraine as independent and they were massive um celebrations immediately following his speech. But those areas since 2014, like Crimea, have essentially been separated from the rest of Ukraine. They didn't participate in the last uh, Ukrainian election. Their votes didn't go anywhere. And they are the Russian-speaking areas. You're talking about, about, this, this isn't some small region right you're talking about 3.5 million people in Donbas. so one area is called Lugansk one area is called Donetsk and those are the names of the two main cities there as well so pay attention to this uh, most likely it's going to uh, result in sanctions but more importantly this does mean that if they are independent states and Russia is recognizing them as such then if they form military alliances which uh, you know they essentially seems like they will be that Russia then will be able to send tanks and equipment in to defend right, these independent states against further aggression. So the ball is now in the court of Kiev. The ball is now in the court of Brussels. The ball is now in the court of the United States. What will President Biden do? Will he make a deal and sit down and hold the summit? We heard some talk about holding a summit or will he try to go to war? But now one more story that I wanted to get to before I sign off today is that in Portland, there was a shooting this weekend. And we don't quite have all the details yet, but one is dead, five are injured. Millennial has the story after a shooting at a Portland Antifa gathering. took place last Saturday night. It left one dead and five injured after Portland-area Antifa held a, a gathering in solidarity with Amir Locke, a 22-year-old black man who was shot by police in Minneapolis earlier this month. A woman was pronounced deceased at the scene and two men and three women were taken to nearby hospitals. Two suspects are reportedly in custody in response to the shooting, according to KPTV local news. However, tweets from Antifa members and groups told far left comrades that were present not to talk to police to investigating the shooting, to delete evidence posted on social media and to keep posts, including photos, videos and firsthand accounts related to the incident to a minimum quote, so that you don't receive a knock. There's also people, they're they're trying to blame it on conservatives, they're trying to blame it on the right wing, but if you dig down into the story, you dig down into the reporting, what does it say? It says that actually what was going on is that there was a local resident, one of the neighbors of the area, who was mad that they were blocking the road and then came out and said... And asked them to leave and they refused so they refused to go to stop blocking the road and then this escalated into a greater conflagration we saw information that one rifle casing was discovered so multiple uh casings of i believe a nine millimeter were discovered by police but a rifle casing was also picked up a rifle shell and so if that was picked up is this another case where Antifa was going afterwards and picking up shell casings, because that's exactly what they did in Chaz in 2020 after those shootings. One of the very reasons, because they know that that evidence would directly link them to the shooting. We know there were multiple murders in Chaz when that took place after it was taken over by armed militants. Okay, that is all the time for our show today here, Human Events, Daily. It's kind of a different show, a little bit, a little bit different. Just recording this from home today, uh, not going all the way down to the studio because, of course, it is President's Day. But today's moment of history. Before we go, our history break. It was exactly two years ago today that Joe Biden, then candidate Joe Biden, posted a tweet saying, "Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president because I'm the only one who's gone toe to toe with him." Yeah that tweet has aged pretty well. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Human Events Daily today. Remember, we are your cliff notes of your day's news. Human Events Daily, information, not indoctrination. Remember, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you to be good, be brief, be gone, and your homework for us. Share this out with one of your normie friends and then leave us your five-star review. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.